Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 55 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. Thank you very much for finding this show. Welcome back if you've listened before, and welcome if you are brand new. General question to everyone, how good is your memory? I'm going to ask if you can, after listening to the episode, hit that subscribe button and also the share and share the episode with a couple of your friends. This week, we'll be chatting with the pet girl, Brittany Young. She's going to talk all about Vixen. But first, in some doggy news, in British Columbia, a place called Kimberley, a lady was out for a jog with her Aussie Shepherd Mix, uh, who was on a lead, and they were running through part of a uh, national park when they were attacked by a deer. The uh, attack was apparently unprovoked, but the lady did say that the deer had a baby deer with it, so they're making the presumption that the mummy deer was defending the family. The uh, dog apparently uh, barked a lot, but the lady is recovering from some uh, relatively deep cuts and, and gashes and a lot of bruises over her body from the rather nasty attack. And over to the US and in the state of Virginia, there's a golden doodle by the name of Harley. Um, now, Harley's owner was looking for him, uh, wasn't immediately around the house. He wandered down to the lake and found Harley swimming in the lake uh, about 50 metres or so offshore. And Harley was rescuing a baby deer and herding it back to the shoreline. Um, When he did that, the mummy Deer actually sort of like came back and the, the two deer went off into the forest. The uh, Another part two to that story is that a couple of days afterwards, um, Harley was a little bit restless inside and was let out, uh, went over to the tree line where they could hear the little deer bleating. Um, Harley and the deer met again touched noses, had a little bit of a tail wag, and then Harley ran back inside and the deer went off with mummy deer back into the forest again. Nice rescue work there, Harley, and nice work on coming back to say thank you by the baby deer. Staying in the US um, and with a, I haven't had one for a while, but a spotting spot, the Honolulu Police Department loaned out or was using a spot for some street patrols. Um, They did cop a bit of flack because of the way that spot was being used. Uh, One of those was to patrol the city's um, homeless COVID centre and uh, to measure people's temperatures. Might be a little bit unnerving for some of those people. And uh, Spot was also supposed to have been used to crack down on the Honolulu fireworks problem, but I really don't know how he would have been contributing to that. And now for this week's interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I'm here today with Brittany Young. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I am going very well, thank you very much. Even more so because now I'm getting to speak to you. Yeah, I know it's been a long time coming, haven't they? I'm very slack with my schedule. Ah, uh, that's all right. No problem with that whatsoever. So, 
who are we going to have a chat about today? We are going to have a chat um, about Vixen, my two-year-old border collie that's from Working Lines. Um, I like to call her my Lamborghini or Ferrari dog. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to have a chat about her today. Oh, nice. She's still only, you know, a puppy. Yeah, she's still quite young, but I feel like in the two years that, or two and a bit years that I've had her, um, it has been quite a whirlwind and quite a learning curve for myself as a trainer. Uh, and I think that she has taught me so much about myself and also about just dogs in general and has actually really influenced my business directions. So I'm ex- super excited to talk about her. I love talking about her. Oh, that's excellent. And you just summed up a couple of points that are, that are recurring in quite a lot of people that a dog, no matter whether it's been a, a pet or a, a working dog, has influenced a person's way in the rest of their life and what they've done or either changed professions or just the way that they changed their line of thinking on all sorts of stuff. So it's just awesome how one species can interact with another and have that much influence. Yeah, for sure, 100%. Definitely. I think that Vixen uh, in particular, it's it's one of those classic stories of the, you know, the uh, you get, you become a dog trainer and you learn, you learn all the things that you want to learn and then you're like, I'm going to get my next puppy, my next puppy, it's going to be the one. Uh, and she was the one for me. Uh, so I've, but I've also learned a lot that <laughs> I needed to learn a lot more before <laughs> I got her. But yeah, it's uh, been good so far. Always so much more to learn. Always. But, um, take us back then to the hows and why that you got Vixen. Yeah, so I had three dogs, or I have three dogs prior. I have a Border Collie Cross uh, cattle dog, Yogi. I have a Labrador and I have a Shetland Sheepdog. And at the time I was starting to really dabble in into dog sports. So I was doing a fly ball and agility and really just getting into private training and, and whatnot. And I, I really wanted to... I really wanted to do agility properly. And what I mean by that is I had, I was only ever taking my Shetland Sheepdog and my Shetland Sheepdog kind of come from, um, she was low confidence in the early stages. I did everything wrong in the critical period and developed a bit of a low confidence dog. And I had been working for probably about two years to try and build up her confidence. But I was watching all these um, super speedy border collies boosting around the around the you know around the ring and I just thought oh god I really 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 want to have a taste of that and I used to be an ex-police officer and one of the things that I loved about being a police officer was the adrenaline dump and the rush Mm -hmm. anyway at a seminar I at a dog at a sorry an agility seminar with like an international guest someone said to me oh I'm not feeling well can you run my border collie uh, and this border collie was um, incredibly speedy, super reliable, and just unbelievable. And I, I think I did three jumps. I did three jumps, and I was like, "Oh my god, I have to get one of these. These are like next level." And that same adrenaline dump that I got chasing a criminal over a fence, I got the same adrenaline dump, and I was like, "I have to have one of these dogs." Uh, and so that was the reasoning of why I started to then look for a Border Collie. And um, I had my first Border Collie, but she, you know, based on her structure and previous injuries and just what we've allowed her to do, she just structurally was not sound enough to be able to, uh, to you know, do dog sports. And then my Labrador as well wasn't suited. And my Shetland Sheepdog I was still doing a lot of stuff with, but I just wanted a dog that um, I used to say my Sheltie was my hard work, like just quite hard work, like, you know, come on, like build your confidence. It's okay. We can do this together. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted a dog that was just like, I'm here, I'm ready, let's go, let's do this. And it's almost the opposite. Like you just need to calm down. We, we're we going to do it slowly. So I 
Where I go to agility, uh, the my agility coach um, is uh, Francisca and she is from Double J Agility and she has bred two litters of um, her kennel name is Indian Oak Border Collies and um, I had seen the first litter go through. I'd seen all the amazing things that she was doing, all the ENS that she was doing, weaning to raw food um, and just all the incredible stuff, like, you know, getting them in crates um, and putting them in the wheelbarrow and taking them to the airport so the international ones can, um, can you know, get used to going on a plane prior to them actually going on a plane. Uh, yes. just, just stuff like that. Yeah, like just stuff like that, doing she... I think her first couple, like first two litters, she did uh, puppy culture, um, and I liked that that particular litter. I really liked the, um, I guess the their temperament. So they work hard, work really, really, really hard, and then in the house they were house dogs. They were mostly inside dogs. You know, they were able to relax on the bed, sleep on the bed, all that kind of thing, and. From what I saw, I was really happy with uh, the dogs not being too over the top. That sometimes that can happen with sporting dogs is that just way too over the top. But though that previous litter, um, you know, I was super interested in and I, I sort of, you know, I was like, wow, these dogs are amazing. And I actually temperament tested the second litter. And so I got to see firsthand, um, you know, where their strengths and where their weaknesses are um, and I was quite happy with the strengths and the weaknesses so I said to her hey I'm pretty interested in getting a um, getting a, a puppy um, and I wanted to be a part of the family I was super excited to be a part of the Indian Oak family and carry that through and have my breeder as my agility coach I thought that was very exciting uh, and so I put my name down um, for the next lit up of puppies and the next litter happened to be um, a different bitch so it was her other bitch that everybody really wanted a puppy from she just was just so determined and so confident and so like in like just an intensity about her um and then the father was uh from the u.s so both dogs were imported from the u.s but obviously the females here and then the male was from another breeder over in the u.s and i'd gone back and forth with this other um this other lady and just spoke to her about her uh, her boy and how you know some really nice traits and she sent me lots of videos and whatever and then anyway when the pregnancy got confirmed I was right in the thick of it so I was touching base with the breeder all the time she was sending me updates um, I was very excited and then I happened to be away um, and I in my in my application, I specified I wanted a girl and I would only take a girl. Um, and I know that's quite limiting, but at the time, just with my group dynamics, I just I really wanted a female dog. Uh, and then anyway, when I was I was away on a birthday cruise and then the puppies were born and there were three little girls in there. So I was super lucky. Um, I thought three girls, that's great. That gives me a chance to possibly get one. Um, and so the journey began and then I got home and the first thing I did was message the breeder and ask if I could see uh, see the puppies. Um, and so I did. I got to go around there at three days old and do some of the ENS work uh, and I held the dog that I now have in my hand and I took her little photos to introduce her. And um, and I, I know this sounds ridiculous because I didn't technically get a puppy chosen for me until seven weeks. But I just knew. I held her and I knew. I just I just knew she was the only one climbing around the whelping box and everybody else was just chilling out and being fat and having, being milk drunk. And my little puppy was cruising around the whelping box doing hot laps. Um, <laughs> and I just knew. I seriously knew. And then has it got like... As time got on, so I mean, obviously, I wasn't, but massively a part of um, of of that this litter, and I got to go and see them heaps. I'm so grateful for that. Um, and yeah, I I just got to experience it as she developed. I watched her, and she just she was exactly what I wanted. She was a middle of the road dog. You know, there was one that was one of the females was really just busy and high drive, and just when I say high drive, I just mean at like three weeks old, just seriously ripping around, like just full on, just nuts. <laughs> anyway, that dog, definitely there was someone that wanted that. And then there was another one that was a lot little uh, feisty, but quite just softer. 
And I didn't really want that. I wanted one that was in the middle of the road. I wanted a dog that self-settled. I wanted a dog that was independent. Um, And this little puppy just the whole time was just that every time. Like every situation, the puppies would be off doing things, she'd interact and then she'd go off and do her own thing and have a nap. And I just thought that is unreal. That's what I want. Um, I got to give her her first uh, weaned meal, which was a raw brisket bone. Um, It was really exciting. Um, I, yeah, I got to do a lot with the litter. The breeder, unfortunately, the um, the breeder, her husband had a terrible accident and had to be hospitalised and they spent a lot of time in hospital and it just so happened that it worked out that they needed an army of people. So everybody that's in their immediate community helped with this litter and raised this litter of puppies um, and I was one of the people that got to do that. So my puppy, I got to see her at, you know, um, oh, like multiple times a week, like three, four times a week. So I really developed a bond with her. And um, and then, yeah, after the temperament test at seven weeks, I waited eagerly and I got the news at seven and a half weeks that um, her name was Atlas. So little Atlas would be joining my family and I was beyond ecstatic. I was so excited. I had my heart set on her. So I really hoped that I got her because I, I don't know if I could have contained my face if I got a different one. Um, Just to have that. That opportunity and, and experience to to be with them from days old, and to develop it's, that that early bond. Oh, it is! I can't even tell you the experience. Like I did say, it was the most amazing experience that I have ever had in terms of dogs. And I just, I am so grateful that I got that opportunity. I mean, it's horrible that that terrible, terrible accident happened to their family, um, but it was such an opportunity that. I just, I wouldn't have experienced otherwise, you know, like I did her first load, like charging the clicker for the first time at like, you know, four, five weeks old. Like I helped with crate training. I fed her almost like most times, you know, Um, and it just, I think it's whenever I'm really frustrated at her, like whenever I'm like, this isn't working, we're going to kill each other. Um, (laughs) And she's just grinding my gears, which is actually very common. Um, I just seriously, I think back of, I look at her little face and I look, and I think back in my head of when I held her and her little face, when I held her and I just, I lose, I'm like not frustrated anymore. I'm like, oh my God. I, and I say it to her often and I say, I remember you where I held you when you were three days old. Okay. Like (laughs) you just stop it. (laughs) Can you just get back into that mindset? (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, but, yeah, so she, she, it was just, um, she was incredible. She was the easiest puppy that I have ever had in my entire life. Like day one, come home, slept in the crate for the first night, no toileting. I think she made one toileting error in her entire time um, of puppyhood. She could settle really easy. She didn't bark at anything. She was just a funny little thing, like just very independent. I remember thinking she was very independent. I remember thinking like, holy crap, like this dog, like you know how when you take dogs out, right, and you go out with them and you you take them with your pack of dogs and you just be, say, walking in the yard and they tend to all follow each other. Like you can go up somewhere and they'll all follow. We had six acres um, and I was like walking around the field and thinking like this dog's just come home. Like she'll just follow the other dogs. That's what will happen. She didn't. She just, off she went sniffing around, walls like Dora the Explorer, went off and started investigating the neighbor's property six acres away. So she just, from day one, she's always just done her own thing um, and been super independent. Um, And I have to remind myself at times, I wrote that in my application, I wanted an independent dog. Um, and at times it drives, it works against me, it drives me bananas, but mm-hmm. um, in other times it's just amazing. So, yeah, she is Miss Dora the Explorer. How how were the other dogs when you first brought her home? So my other dogs were fine. They, I had, I'd been doing doggy daycare and stuff, so they were really normal and um, quite used to me introducing unfamiliar dogs um, and young dogs as well. So they, and like quite little, little dogs. So 
they were really fun. She actually gave a little, um, I remember she gave a little um, a grumble and like a little like at my Shetland sheepdog the first time she met her. Um, and I remember going, oh, my God, she's reactive. Oh, my God. <laughs> and my husband's like, oh, stop it. Shut up. Like he, but I'm the dog trainer. I'm supposed to be the one that's like not having a meltdown. Um, and I totally had a meltdown. Um, and we took her out in the field and then she was fine. But they love her. They, she is a huge part of our family. Like she, she, all my dogs play now, like play with each other because of her. Um, my Sheltie always used to play, but, and the two older dogs used to play together when they were quite young, but they'd stopped doing that for a period of time. Um, and she has brought back the, the puppy in everyone. Like my nine-year-old dog or my nine, she'll be nine this year, she plays with her like a puppy, like plays like hardcore like a young dog should. Um, and I'm so grateful for Vixen to Vixen for, um, you know, creating all little puppies again. It's great. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So during the first couple of months at home, sounds like there was absolutely no dramas and everyone was interacting well. And so how early did you start introducing, you know, some training with her? So, yeah, so actually the first couple of months, like around the home, uh, fine. I've got four female dogs and I've never had a problem. I've never even had a display of like any kind of conflict at all, ever, um, or that I know about at least. They've never had a tiff, touch wood, no issues um, like that. The... I struggled a lot in the first six months um, with her. Um, she was just a whole new level of intensity. So the first couple of days I spent just building a relationship, obviously I had a great relationship with her, Also, I thought anyway, but I just sort of spent the first couple of days getting her used to the routine of our house, getting, getting her used to her puppy pen, getting her used to how we operate and just so she could get to know us a little bit more. Um, and then I kind of got started straight away, you know, like it was, I think I think the first day I started loading a marker um, and a verbal marker and the clicker um, and just play was happening every day. And I had intentions with my play, so I was always doing things that, you know, had a purpose. Um, but the first six months were really hard. I rang my friends on numerous occasions when I'd taken her out and I'm like, this dog, man, just doesn't care. Like she just wants to do her own thing. Um, I actually at one stage I rang my business partner, um, Julia, my best friend Julia, and I said, Julia, this dog, she hates me. She doesn't even like me. Um, and it was just, yeah, she just, when we were out and about, she was just so stimulated by the rest of the environment that she just didn't care about me. Um, and I was heartbroken because I, I thought that it was a reflection of our relationship and it was a, um, a reflection of like, I don't know, of my training and I couldn't even, this dog wouldn't even respond to a verbal marker and I had like the, the best treats on offer um, and out and about it just was not coming together and I just was like I felt like an absolute failure. I really did. Um, but in her little world, she was just excited to see everything. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so she just she just wanted to investigate everything. And um, I think I was just so worried about having this dog that was going to be the one and this my best friend that I was so worried on that relationship aspect that I was, um, yeah, I don't know, I was just, didn't really see it from her perspective, I guess, from being out in the world and experiencing the world for the first time. Well, not really for the first time because I took her out all the time. But, yeah, so it's the first six months was um, a challenge for me. But some of the things that I introduced fairly straight away, like a lot of the agility stuff um, was a big thing. So just like um, releasing, you know, getting the drive with the toy and making sure that she could toy switch and that I could throw a toy and she could run to a dead toy um, and I could run away from her. Um, I didn't start any like obedience uh, too soon because she didn't really need it. The only thing I did start was her understanding the lead and the collar um, and making sure that she understood um, things like just like yielding to pressure um, and just 
really, really basic stuff like, uh, you know, following me on the lead and, and whatnot. But she had a harness, so I used to split between the harness and the lead so she could investigate on the harness and then when we were on the collar, we were working. Nice. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So in the home with the other dogs, how was that sort of dynamic set up? Do they do they crate or are they free roam or? So I'm a huge believer in. Um, I don't live in a management world. I if I have a dog, they need to be able to get on with my other dogs. That everybody needs to be able to get on, and I've been like that from day dot. So we don't do crate and rotate or anything like that. Um, my dogs all live together. So she had a puppy pen, obviously, because, you know, a boisterous puppy, no one wants to have that to micromanage. And so she was spent predominantly most of her time in a puppy pen um, and unless I had her out or I was supervising interactions. So I spent a lot of time in the first initial um, six months just really making sure that she understood the relationship dynamics. So, And then I think I transitioned her at around six or seven months to being out full-time with my other dogs um and I was really lucky she just she wasn't really interested in annoying them like she initiated play every now and then but other than that she kind of just did her own thing like she just happy to lay down and have a nap happy to climb on the couch whatever um and so yeah that kind of you know it's the dynamic that we have in our house is um is quite good like the girls they're always together um you know, they might go off during the day and have a nap somewhere else or in the sun or whatever. But the most part of it, they all, like, are on top of each other in a bed together. Like, they're very um, – I think they're all very bonded. All my dogs are very bonded. Um, and she's no, um, you know, no difference to that. Like, she melted in. And I think I've got a video. I actually have a video. I should send it to you. It's a my three dogs laying, like, essentially on top of each other in the yard just – laying in the sun and then she walks over and flops right in the middle of them and it's like she's been there for a hundred years do you know um yeah so you mentioned bed what about uh sleeping arrangements so at the time when we got her so we got her i think may june so at our house it's super cold so our our old house we had like an old queenslander and the dogs used to in summer because we didn't have aircon in our room they used to sleep on the deck area like we have a fenced off deck area um they have like beds and stuff and then in winter they come into our bedroom and sleep um inside our room on their beds and then because she was a puppy for the first part she started in a crate and then so she that was her first thing she slept in our room in a crate and then she progressed to sleeping on a bed with the other dogs probably like six uh less than six months I think she was toilet trained super quick so I didn't have any problems with toilet training she was holding it right from the get-go um so I think I transitioned her to being just on the bed like on their bed on the ground um, maybe like five months, maybe four or five months. Um, and yeah, she just was happy to sleep on the bed, like nice. on her bed. She didn't get yeah. any, any, uh, puppy favours sleeping in your bed? <laughs> no, 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 no. So probably if my husband didn't sleep in my bed, <laughs> that'd all be in there. But, uh, no, no, no. They, um, I would get her up in the morning and let her have a little cuddle and whatever, but they all know the rules are. We've been fairly consistent with the rules. You don't jump on the bed unless you're invited to do so, um, and occasionally that happens from time to time, but, yeah, not all the time. Okay, nice. Um, just going back into when the uh, feeding routine and having a multiple dog household yeah. and particularly with a puppy, how did, yeah. how did that sort of go? How did you manage that? We used to feed all our dogs just side by side together and I thought it was really great watching them hoof down their food. Like I said, I've never had conflict with resource guarding, like ever. Um, you know, I think they're, yeah, I've never had that issue. So when I, what I did do prior to getting a puppy is I had three crates um, and I, someone said to me, like, have you ever tried feeding your dogs in a crate and seeing if, if it slows them down? Like I didn't have any issues with I mean, they used to hoof their food, but I didn't, at that time, I didn't see it as an issue. Um, and so anyway, I fed them in the crates. I was like, holy crap, like feeding these dogs separately just like slows them down. They actually enjoy their food. They actually eat their food. So when we had the introduction of the puppy, um, a vixen, it's no different. We just fed her in the crate and she get, she was fed 
in a crate uh, pretty much going forward. Um, and the same with all our dogs now. So um, they can be fed all in areas. I try to at least if I'm going to feed them out in the open that I'll feed them in like with space away from each other, but that's very rare. I only feed, usually I only feed in the crate and the only times that they'll get um, to be free, loose with eating, it will be when I um, give them like a rack of emu ribs and they all have their spots in the yard that they go off and take and they don't bother each other. Um, they don't bother each other until they're, they're all done and the, lick the grass where the, the ribs were or something like that. But otherwise they know the rules. The rules are they're not allowed to um, to annoy anybody else when they're eating. So nice to have a... Uh a serene household where everyone just accepts things and doesn't push too many boundaries. I Isn't this so weird? So I did not know that this was not normal. I thought that most people that have, like people say to me all the time, trainers say to me all the time, um, oh, my God, like how, four female dogs, how does this happen? Like how does, how does it work? I'm like, I don't know. It just always has. Like we just don't. There's no, I never from the get-go, excuse my language, I'm never allowed bullshit. Like there's no, I've always been on top of my dogs in terms of like watching them and making sure that they know that there's no, we don't, like if you, if someone has a toy and then you come over and you're a jerk and you take that toy and you nick off with it and you it's not in a play jest, I'll, no, no way. I'll go and I'll go get that toy and give it back to the other dog and get, tell the other dog to go away. And I've always been like that and I don't, I think I'm raised with like, I was raised with like a Pasquillian brothers and sisters. And so, yeah, it um, it's not been any different. Like it's just like, no, this is what the rules are. And Vixen was actually a harder one with all that stuff because uh, this was my first dog that I kept entire or intact or whatever. Um, I don't know what it is for a female, entire maybe. Um, and I only desexed her at two years of age or like just before two years of age. Um, and so I did have a lot of hormones and stuff in the mix there. But just it was just about on those times when the hormones were high, just about understanding, okay, you're going to be a bit moody today. Let's just... Um, let's just make sure that we're, you know, we're not setting anyone up for failure. You know, if there's something that's like, for example, if there's cow hoofs out, like I have, I regularly have cow hoofs out, like just generally around laying on the ground all the time. And they don't even, they don't have any tiffs over them or anything like that. Um, so just, it's just about setting them up for success and making sure they understand, like <laughs> my training clients know this, I'm always watching and I feel like the dogs know I'm always watching. <laughs> Do you find them utilising the extra space because you've got that large sort of area available? Yeah, so we, um, our last house, we had six acres, one acre was fenced um, or just under one acre was fenced and they actually spent a lot of time on the deck. Like I'm like, go, enjoy the grass, go and do things that you want to do and they'd They'd rarely even go down there. They just want to hang out where we are. But this, we've just moved house. This new house, we've got like probably one and a bit acres um, and it's fully dog fenced. And they are just always everywhere. They're just always off exploring in the bushes and um, they're always playing. They play every day, every morning. They After they get up and go to the toilet, they all start initiating play with each other. Um, and they are utilising so much more space than what they did when they were at the other house on the Queenslander. Okay. So that's great. Super. Yeah. So what about with Vix and any sort of interactions with other species? Yeah, we have a cat <laughs> and her name's Bullseye. Um, and <laughs> we have a nickname for her, but I don't know. This is a PG podcast, I think. <laughs> so we... Um, I won't, I won't say that. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, she, I introduced Bullseye to Vixen pretty much from, like, day two, and um, it's so good. Bullseye just terrorises her. I love it. It's just so good. Um, she, she's the same. She's no different. She needs to understand um, that 
yeah, like the cat, like the, I don't let the cat be a jerk to the dogs. Like occasionally I will. <laughs> occasionally I will when I think they deserve it. Um, like I'll watch Bullseye will hide behind a tree and, um, oh, my poor Sheltie. <laughs> and Pinty um, will go past and Bullseye will just like jump out at her. And um, I just think it's hilarious. Um, right. but no judgment from me. That's all right. <laughs> uh, her and Vixen actually play like they actually play with each other so they'll um run around like they like they chase each other and they reverse roles and things like that and she hides and then vixen gets really scared when she hides and she's like oh my god where is she and then yeah so they they have a really great relationship she's also had exposure to chickens to ducks to horses um being a border collie, she's had exposure to sheep, obviously, um, and cattle. Um, and yeah, she's she's fine. She's really fine. Um, I think horses sometimes are a little bit can be a little bit on the let's just keep an eye on you, not for overconfidence, but more lack of confidence. But other than that, um, yeah, she's been introduced to lots of different species, and she's she's fine. Mm-hmm. Just a good sniff and. Yeah. Did she, you think she showed any sort of her, like, herding traits? Yeah, for sure. So one of the biggest things that this has been a huge learning point of um, of owning a dog like this. So you can get a Border Collie, but then you can get a Border Collie. Um, and I've got a Border Collie, so like a hardcore Border Collie. And she definitely has instinctive traits. But the thing that I'm really – I've learned a lot about Vixen is that you you have to provide outlets for these kinds of dogs to do it in an appropriate way. And if you don't, then they look for it in other ways. They're always going to have that inbuilt instinct inside them. So – I'm very, very, very grateful that I knew this from the beginning. And so I never allowed Vixen to exercise her herding in inappropriate ways. So, for example, if we were like around chickens or something like that, like it's not her job. I didn't bring her to expose her to get her to herd them. She has clear understanding that, no, we're working now or we're not working. And if we're not working, then we don't exercise that herding instinct. Like she obviously is alert and she'll watch them. They'll never take that away from her and I would never want to. But she understands, like I don't give her those opportunities to go and exercise that instinct unless it's on sheep, um, which she does. So, yeah, I've been very clear about those rules with Vixen. Um, she does chase a wallaby here or there, but I'm very lucky she's got an awesome recall. Um, but it's not uncommon to on our six-acre property when we had it to watch her just bang up to the top of the hill and I'm like, oh, she's gone after a wallaby. There she goes. She can run up a top of a hill faster and she can run up and down and come back to me faster than I've even walked half of our field. Like it's hard to explain if you don't have a photo, but God, she runs so fast. She's so freaking fast. Um, It's just mental. And she's gone and back before I even have time to tell her not to do that. Like... (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to the wallaby chasing, I tell you. <laughs> uh, I'm really lucky though. She, I, I don't know, I've do, obviously done something right <laughs> with her recall because she always comes back and she comes back. Like it's like inbuilt in her now with her recall, um, even on a bushwalk or something like that. But, yeah, because she's so independent, she'll just go and go and go. And then sometimes I just have to worry that she um, – she can either she goes so fast that she'll it has a risk of like running into things or do you know what I mean like or in her drive to get back to me you know like a stick poking into her or something like that so just got to be really careful. Ah, mm. oh, nice, nice. So <clears throat> going back to I'm guessing around about the six months of age and getting her more involved into the agility training. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so our uh, our agility career has kind of been a bit halted due to COVID. So I got Vixen in 2019. Um, 
I was working and then by the time you can't, like you can start foundation stuff, but you don't really start doing proper training until a little bit later. So unfortunately, because of my, um, my trainer's family circumstances, we couldn't like training obviously got halted. And then when it got halted, then we come into COVID and then we had no classes because of COVID. And so she kind of had bits and pieces all over the shop. So she didn't really get it wasn't really the um, the dream that I envisioned in terms of training-wise, but it was a great opportunity for Vixen to learn other things. Um, and one of the things that she started developing around eight months or eight or nine months is she became incredibly uh, hypervigilant and the uh, noticing or her alert barking and noticing of novelty started to become more prevalent um, and I knew that it was something I really wanted to work on and get to the bottom of. Um, you know, things like being on top of Burley Hill and there was this lovely little old Asian man with a sombrero. Like, who wears a sombrero? Seriously. <laughs> um, and Border Collies, like, I, I remember thinking, like, God, these dogs are so literal. Like, it's just like, that hat's not meant to be here. This isn't Mexico. It's like... How do you know that? <laughs> and she, you know, her alert barking, her and um, and just being absolutely inconsolable. And so I started to see that around that, um, you know, that seven, eight, nine month mark, and that was a bit of a um, uh, a learning curve for me. And I, because I didn't have the opportunity to do agility or training as much as what I would have liked to, I I really worked on that. Uh, and I, what with her, what I really thought was, what I wanted to achieve with her, which I, I thought she was capable of, I definitely thought she was capable of it, is her resilience. So I, I've definitely accepted, like it took me probably like three or four months to actually really accept that you're not going to get rid of this alert to novelty. That's what they're bred to do. They're bred to do that. Uh, and what I wanted to build was her resilience and like, you can alert me, sure, but then when I tell you it's cool and we don't need to, we're fine, mm-hmm. then we we need to shut up and not alert the media. Um, and she was, she, she was so funny. Like, <laughs> she's just so funny. She just, like, oh, God, I can't even, sometimes I get lost for words of how embarrassing it was at times when she would alert me about things that I'm like, mate, I know, like shush about like people or just about people that were being a bit weird and a bit different. Um, And being an ex-police officer, like I knew they were different. I knew they were weird. I knew that something was going on. Um, And I think she definitely picked up on that and her and I were like the the fun police of the world, (laughs) just walking around, hey, what are you doing? Why are you looking like that? Hey, don't you be like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so a bit of, like we got, we didn't get a chance to do a lot of agility stuff, but I got to work on that a lot. Uh, I'm just getting her used to understanding that novelty is good and not, um, not something to have a meltdown about. Yeah. Okay. So she would pick up on people with maybe a, a, a disorder or something like that as well, or... Uh, yeah, she just, um, oh, God, she just, it, just all things that were different. Like, for example, if I had a chair, right, and I had to put it in the middle of a field and we walked past that field and she'd been past that field before, she would notice it. Even if it was a basquillion, like, you know, metres away, she would notice it, 100% she would notice it, and she would just not let it go until I acknowledged that it was there. Like I tried ignoring her for ages um, thinking that was going to help. And this is where a big learning curve kind of happened. And she's just like, no, it's there. Like you need to acknowledge this. And I, once I learned that, that she was telling me and I had to, I had to acknowledge her, then we kind of started working together more as a team. Um, But yeah, she would notice all kinds of different things. So just think of like someone that's really literal, like, it's just like that thing is not in its right context. Do you know what I mean? So that's not supposed to be there. That or if she'd we'd go on a walk, like our local walk, and someone popped out out of nowhere. She's like, "You're not meant to be there. You're never here. Why are you here now?" Um, 
And, yeah, and she was so conflicted because she was super conflicted because she had a love for all people and, and things. Like she's a proper lover. Like she, which is another, which was another struggle that I had to work on was just her over love for people. Um, and so she was so conflicted because she's like, you're not meant to be there. You're weird. Why do you, Why are you weird? But I also really, really, really want to say hello to you and I want to be involved with you. <laughs> and so just trying to balance her conflict, like she was just in such conflict. And so it wasn't until we really put some structure in place um, with her greetings and with, you know, when you notice novelty, what you need to do and things like that, that it all, we started like gelling more as a team and being better as a team, if that makes sense. Yep, in it in a way. I was going to ask if does she have any sort of like particular weird habits, but with the OCD, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, she um she doesn't really do that anymore. Like she doesn't alert anymore. Um, yeah, there's like border collie OCD where they're actually obsessed with stuff, and she definitely is not like that. She just um yeah, she's just very good at doing her job. Um, and border collies are different kinds of dogs. They're just all, all herding breeds are different kinds of dogs and they all have traits within themselves. And, you know, like I often see dogs that like working dogs and, you know, people are like, oh, these dogs are like tough dogs. They're really hard, like hard work and you need to be experienced and stuff. I truly believe that herding breeds are not for novice handlers. Like they're just something else. There's something else about them and they, they, they're intelligent and they want to please but they've got so many traits that you just need to find time to navigate. Do you know what I mean? So they're oh, just um, do, yep. they're just so different, uh, and you just have to you have to learn. Like they're eye dogs; they watch everything, they know everything. So you can't get away with being tricky or sneaky around them because they know they know what you're doing. You know, like I could take a toy and put it behind my back. She's like, I know what you're doing. Like, why are you doing that? Um, she's just so smart. She's too smart for her own good. It's hard. I can't compete against her. She's way smarter than me, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I know literally thousands of years have been breeding the, like, uh, in, in all different dogs for different different reasons, but for, say, herding, breeding them to be, do what they do to herd for thousands of years and only sort of breed the dogs that are really doing that efficiently. And in the last say, I don't know, 100 years or so, saying, oh, that's a really pretty dog. I'd like that dog to be my pet dog. And then people are wondering mm. why it's not the ideal pet dog. Yeah, even the, you know, even the show line Border Collies, like even them, like there's so many people that I know that either dabble in agility or they are like or in a dog sport like fly ball or whatever or, you know, rallyo or obedience or that kind of stuff um, and then and then show their dog as well. And they have problems with, say, moving things, you know. These dogs are so movement sensitive. They're hugely movement sensitive. The real, like, alert ones notice novelty a lot. Um, and this is in the sense where Vixen's shaped my business because, um, you know, when we're we're doing like dog training classes and stuff. We tend to get all the people that have these herding breeds because we all have herding breeds and we're like, God, these dogs are hard work, man. Mm-hmm. Like the, we only, I did a post the other day and it was about in the hands of a new and novice handler, these dogs would be, it would be chaos. It would be just absolute chaos. And I could not imagine Vixen or my um, my business partner and best friend Julia, her dog Hades, her young dog Hades, who's a, um, a Claremont Kelpie. We can I cannot fathom these dogs being in a normal pet dog home. Like I just could not, um, you know. And we we're both in the same kind of way of living. Like we live our dogs, you know. We we expect our dogs to be able to integrate into our lives. We expect them to be calm and relaxed. We expect them not to be on the job all the time. That they show you know, level-headedness and checking out and things like that, Um, and they're able to just exist. We have that expectation of our dogs. But, you know, like this is something that a lot of people I feel like struggle with these dogs because they're just, they're so intense. Like they're just so intense. They're just a whole new kind of dog. Um, 
just a whole new kind of dog. And I know like people say that I've never had a male um, and I don't, I would never get one um, just with the level of intensity. Like that's supposed to be like the pinnacle of dog training. Like is that you, that the male is like the dog that just is just nuts. Some of these working dogs, I think are quite up there. Like they're just full on and trying to make them respectable members of the community um, in conjunction with making them exceptional at their job is, I think, a really, really, really hard thing to do. Um, yeah. You know, you have to, you can definitely do it, but you just have to have those skills to be able to do it and you have to, you know, and it's ongoing. Like, yeah, that's where I think Vixen's just so different and that what she's taught me and she's pushed me as a trainer is because it's, it's just like all the things that I just used to do and think were normal just have to work a little bit harder with fixing that. Um, but, yeah, she's great. She's fantastic. She's um, she's definitely coming to herself in the, especially in the last year, I think so. Um, and she's, yeah, she's good. So away from home, where are her favourite places, do you think? Uh, she is a lover of adventure. She loves going in the water. She loves on pack like pack walks or hikes or whatever. Um, she she loves training. Absolutely loves training. Her little eyeballs light up the second we turn up to agility or the second we turn up to classes. She just loves to train. She loves to do stuff. Um, she, and she obviously loves to herd sheep. So that's I think that's her favourite place in the entire world is to herd sheep. She's definitely, she's just on a whole another level. Like she, her little legs shake waiting for her turn um, and she knows she's not allowed to hang through the fence. So she looks away from them, lays down <laughs> facing the opposite direction, but she's like, I'm so excited. Oh, my God. Oh, I like uh, that. I, I know. <laughs> well, she's because I. She, if she looks, if she's in there looking, watching, she's working. I know she is. She's working them as she's sitting there, and then by the time she gets in there, she's exhausted. So if you're going to be tied up to the fence, then I don't want you at a level ten because then you're going to be in a level ten going in. So you know, I, I don't even know how I train that, but basically just keeping her really relaxed and just going, look, you just chill out when we get in there, we will do this, but you just need to calm your farm. <laughs> I can relate to that. We do. Um, so my girl, I've got an eight-year-old Doberman and even when we go up yeah. to do something like a, a park run, we park the car and as soon as she jumps out of the car, she's like, you know, woof, woof, come on, we've got to go. I can see the people at the start line. Come on, come on, come on. It's like it's 10 yeah. minutes. Chill. No, no, no. They're there. They're going. You know. And it's like we've got to go for a walk in the opposite direction for her to just to sort of like settle down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's I found that has been the biggest, um, the biggest again another learning curve with Vixen is that we don't do anything until you have calmed down. Because if I start everything at a level ten, like there's no way I'm going to keep her head. You know, there's nowhere to go after you hit level 10. Like you just ping out until you hit, you know, you're like, I can't concentrate. And I think that's that's the other thing too is that when she's over aroused and she develops frustration because she's not getting it right and she's the kind of dog that wants to get it right, she doesn't like making mistakes and she doesn't like being not reinforced. So if it's a fine line because I have to, in a way, keep her head so she can get it right. So I've got to calm her down to get her to get it right. And then once she gets it right, then we can add all the craziness and all the excitement about it. But she's got to get it right first. Um, and if she doesn't, yeah, she gets that frustration and um, she'll grumble at me, um, you know. <laughs> she'll get shitty at me and go, and like huff and puff as I'm resetting her. Um, but. It's just kind of like we just look at each other and I just go, like, if you just calm down and just think and use your brain for two seconds, then you'll get it right and then you'll go <laughs> and you'll love it. I constantly have these, these internal battles with her. I just look at her and I'm just like, oh, my God, just stop. <laughs> so with the herding, is that competitive as well? Oh, look, I would love for it to be competitive, but we're just not there. We're just not there. 
she's just the line of dog that she is. She's she's from cattle herding line, so it's very different to sheep herding lines. Like you have to, you think about it. You're pushing around like a over a hundred kilo animal. Like you need to be feisty, pushy, and be you know like there's no nonsense. And then when you got when you're on sheep, you got to have a more delicate approach. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. she's. I don't know a lot about herding, if I'm honest, um, and I'm not very good at all. So <laughs> she does all the work. But I just think that we will, we will. I hope in our lifetime we trial one time, like at least once. That will be fantastic. It will be a really great experience or possibly a really embarrassing experience. But she just, we just need to learn to work together a bit more in, um, in the yard. Like I think... We're just sort of seeing the other side where we are working together. Other times I could just stand there and she would just do her own thing if she was allowed to. So it's just about we just need to slow down and we just need to work better as a team. And, I, you know, I don't want to do a sport where all I do is I walk in and it's just a fight from the minute I get in there. We're just yelling at each other the whole time. Like I don't I don't want to have that with her. I, I don't want that relationship with her. I want to go in and go, all right, are you ready? Do you have this? Let's do this. Um, and she looks at me and she knows. So we seeing, I'm definitely seeing glimpses of that as she matures a bit more, but it's still, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> I know there's not too many places here in Australia, but um, have you tried her on, on tri-ball? No, I haven't. I've seen that. I, um, I'm really, honestly, I'm so pushed for time. I want to do so many things, but when you've got four dogs, trying to allocate enough time to each of them is really challenging. And then when you're running your own businesses is super challenging. Running a house, you know, um, and still trying to be an, a normal person in terms of have a social life and have time for your, you know, your partner or your husband or whatever. Um, it's I, That is the thing I struggle the most with. Um, and dog sports, I love dog sports. I love doing things, you know, but it's I'm always in conflict with, you know, learning more about training things and, and dog sports. Like an example is I'm heading off to the, um, the Pat Stewart seminar this weekend um, and unfortunately, that's when the agility state championships are on. It's just like coincide at the same time. So it's just sometimes, you know, you just don't get that um, nice flow of order with things. Um, but, yeah, we just try and do the best we can. Like we're dabbling in fly ball at the moment um, to hopefully I'd love to see her run in fly ball. I think she would love it. Ah, nice. That's another thing where, I mean, well, I don't know, don't like saying it, with a, a little bit behind the rest of the world with a lot of dog sports and just things to do with dogs in general and it'd be nice to catch up a little bit. Mm, yeah, like a lot of the bike events, like, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. That'd be awesome. And there's the availability of doing things, you know, like competitive obedience. There's not really anywhere where I live. Like there's one club that does competitive obedience. Um yeah, and I just, you know, I, it's just about trying to, like, I, you want options. You really want options of where you can go and be able to, you know, work with different people. Unfortunately, with a lot of dog sports, there's only one place for you to go, um, like scent work as well. That would be cool. Um, more scent working availability. I don't know, just where we live on the Gold Coast, I feel like there's not a lot going on in terms of, you know, dog sports. Um, the culture's not that big here, but... And in Brisbane, it's a bit more so the case. But, yeah, um, we'd love to see more dog sports, Absolutely. more, more dog sports. Absolutely. Um, question I ask everyone is to complete the sentence. I can't believe my dog ate. Uh, I can't believe my dog ate. Mm. <laughs> uh I'm going to say cat poo but, or kangaroo poo, but that doesn't surprise me. I'm, it's not, I'm never, ever, she actually is so good. She doesn't eat anything that she shouldn't apart from kangaroo poo and if she can find bullseye's cat poo. But it doesn't surprise me when she does eat it. <laughs> She's just, yeah. Uh, that's all right. Um, that's that's a yeah. reasonably common answer. <laughs> 
Yeah, she just loves it. All the dogs love the cat poo. It's like cat. It's like crack. I don't know. Everyone's obsessed with it. <laughs> uh, no worries. Um, with I know it's probably going to be a, a hard. Have you ever like travelled with the four of them? Uh, as in, like, like I've gone camping with the four of them, mm-hmm. but not um, since I've had four. It's all been about COVID, so you can't really go. Yeah, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, I probably wouldn't go. Um, I definitely wouldn't go on a plane. I don't think that she'd cope well on a plane. Um, but yeah, I we I went camping. Um, we went camping, and uh, Julia had her two dogs, and I had my four. Um, and yeah, it was crazy. It was awesome. I loved it. That was so good. What yeah. was the highlight of the of the camping trip? Um, honestly, just sitting around the campfire and just having like my four dogs just relax on beds and stuff. Like it was just a surreal thing, you know, just sitting around having a glass of wine, watching a fire and my dogs were just untethered, just chilling out on beds all rugged up. And my best friend was there and my husband was there. He came for the first day and then he left just to make sure we got set up all right. Um, It it was just so fun. Uh, I I love that. And then the other thing too, it was so cold. We went, I think it was last year or the year before, where we had that Arctic blast uh, in Queensland. And I'm not kidding, it was like negative like one or two. It was so freaking cold, like dead set. We did not accommodate for that. We didn't have anything. Our beds weren't raised. So on the second night, we decided when my husband left, I was like, do you want to pack up the tents and stuff? And do you want to just like um, sleep in the car? And it was just so windy as well. It was just such a crap weekend to go. And we were like, we were in Foxbar Falls. It's just like, on the, I don't know, it's like just so much colder than everywhere else. And we we ended up sleeping in the car, like in the car. So she slept in her car with her two dogs and I slept in my car with my four dogs. And we got in the boot. Um, I got in the boot. I, like, made a bed or laid the seats down and got in the boot. And then um, I'm like, I laid in the thing and then I opened the boot and my and then Julia had to like send all the dogs in. And I just remember <laughs> she sent all the dogs in and closed the boot and she's like, Are you okay in there? And I'm like, I'm okay, but somebody definitely farted. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the middle of the night I wake up and I just hear Bleh. And I'm just like, oh, no, (laughs) this is not happening. Open the door and, of course, it was my Labrador, so I just, like, push her out. And then they're so cold, they don't want to go to the toilet. And I'm just thinking, oh, this is a nightmare. Anyway, ended up getting all the dogs back in and whatever. But that was a fun experience, sleeping with four dogs in a car in, like, an SUV, a a medium-sized SUV. Like, it's not even a big SUV. (laughs) Like, it's just... Nice and snug. Nice and snug, all right. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. It's disgusting. Honestly, it was gross. Feral animals. (laughs) Does Vixen have a favourite toy? Uh, She's a lover of all toys. She loves a good toy. She loves... um, I'm trying to think what they have this. Uh, we won this like um, llama, uh, like uh, what's that game? Fortnite. You know Fortnite. There's that llama <laughs> on Fortnite. Anyway, she we have this stuffed toy we won in a crane machine and we brought it back and all the dogs freaking love it. It's like rainbow colored. They love it. They absolutely love it. They just thrash it around. They run around with it. They thrash it around. Anyway, that's the favorite toy in our house on all the dogs combined. Like they all just obsess over this toy and they always try and steal it and run off with it. Um but otherwise, she loves a good tug. She loves good tug toys, um, like milker tugs. She loves them as well. Yeah. And does that mean that she's uh, one of her favourite games, apart from any of the the training things, is is tug or? Yeah, she loves she loves tug. She loves frisbee. Like loves frisbee. She's to she kill herself to just to catch a frisbee. So got to be careful of that. Um, but yeah, she absolutely loves frisbee. As well. So you mentioned before that because of Vixen and how she is, it's changed the way that, or changed a, a bit of the way that you were doing your business. Do you want to just have a, a quick sort of like chat on that? 
Yeah, so she's just opened my eyes to herding breeds and how I know how much I struggled with some of her um, genetic or, you know, instinctive traits and how important it is to to understand those traits when you're trying to train them, you know. Um, I find that with herding breeds, there's just a couple of little differences that you need to know. Um, something like, for example, on the lead, I remember, like, doing this whole yield to pressure thing. She doesn't just stand in one spot she runs around me she starts hurting me like running around me so like when you got a hurting breed you can't this whole like yield depression game like they don't work like that they like they they go into what they know and it's to go wide around you so if you just keep stopping and doing the depression game you'll just be going around in circles <laughs> all the time so stuff like that like helping people understand stuff like that and just going no this is what you need to do to break that cycle this is what you need to do to try this and and whatever and I th- I definitely think she has changed the way I help people with herding breeds um, and just help them understand why they are the way they are and you chose a dog with those traits you know it would be a shame to just try and you know like get rid of all those traits. Why would you want to? That's why you've got them. And if you can use them to your advantage, uh, then they you just find so much more synergy between the two of you. So, yeah, I think um, Vixens definitely shape the way that we run our classes at that dog school. Um, we, we attract so many herding breeds. Um, you know, often a large part of our class is herding breeds. Um, and I think, you know, when we do, we do our positive exposure training topics, um, you know, we always make sure we put in things that move in there. So skateboards, bikes and scooters and like wheelchairs and like suitcases and things like that. Um, we always include that in our classes. Uh, and yeah, it's definitely shaped the way, um, the way that we do our classes and also, yeah, the type of client we get, we tend to get a lot of people with herding breeds. Oh, nice. So it's uh, obviously that, that you're doing a lot of the dog business. So what is actually that business for those people that don't know you? Uh, yeah, so I've got two businesses. So I run um, my first business is called The Pet Girl and I offer private training uh, to people. Um, I also you know, help people with nutrition-related stuff. Uh, and, yeah, I blog a lot about health and well-being and just about helping our dogs live their best life. And then the I joined up, I joined forces with Julia Terry and we have a dog training school called That Dog School. And, yeah, we run classes, we run um, workshops, we have private training as well. We run um, seminars as well. So we're based on the Gold Coast and we service the Gold Coast uh, and we have classes on either end of the Gold Coast. So, yeah, there's yeah, there's lots of stuff always going on with that dog school. Um, we just had a loosely walking workshop. Um, we've got a pack walk coming up. We've got, you know, um, six new classes starting in July. So, yeah, oh. lots of stuff. Very nice. Well, it's been a very entertaining conversation. Vixen's a awesome dog and I am yeah, very, is. very appreciative that you've taken the time out to have a chat with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it and I love talking um, all things crazy Vixen, so that's awesome. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you very much again. Take care. No worries. Thank you. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. And don't forget, hit that subscribe button and share the episode with some friends. Until next time, stay safe and remember, your dog is family.